Good morning. This is Brad Lacey, pastor of First Baptist Church at Concha Hawkins, president of the Philadelphia Bible Society, and for this hour, host of the great message on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. If you can stand me for the hour, I can more than stand you. You are my precious audience. We are without a guest today, but I stand ready to share from the Word of God for the fullness of the hour. It is my privilege. It is my pleasure. Indeed, it is my calling in life to be one who brings forth and who imparts the Word of God. Drawing upon the book of Proverbs, we've been looking at a particular text, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. Here we read that the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. The mouth of a righteous man is as a well of life. And there are any number of things we've been discussing and sharing concerning what that should sound like and look like and effect. And if I may just reiterate by way of a kind of litany, uh, that those who speak the word uh, to offer spiritual encouragement. We are to be men and women of spiritual healthiness. Uh, we must be healthy, not spiritually sick or spiritually impoverished. And you will know that you are dealing with a spiritually healthy man or woman to the extent that he or she is faithful and to the extent that he or she is trustworthy. We are to be as unto spiritual preservatives. We are the presence of God within us, the presence of God operative through us would work to be a, a preservative, not a destroyer. We are called to be a preserving people. We preserve that which is good and that which is true and right. I love how Paul puts it in Philippians if it is noble, if it is lovely, if it is excellent or worthy of praise, you are to think upon such things. And if you meet men and women of this ilk, those men and women shall be preservatives to the world in which you live. We are called also to be spiritual deliverers, sometimes even according to Jude from the back of the New Testament, we may have to snatch people out of the fire, but uh, deliverance is at hand when you are in the presence of one who speaks and lives the Word of God. God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. He would deliver you from your sin, deliver you from your circumstances, deliver you from even death. I recall, please, when my lovely wife was in her dying days in terms of this earth, I cried aloud to the Lord, how long, O Lord, will this play out? And my Lord answered me, literally answered me from his holy hill. And I heard this to my heart, spirit speaking to spirit. My glory, and I quote, my glory has come upon my little fellowship that I may receive my daughter home. My beautiful wife was also the beautiful daughter to the Lord God Almighty, and he was preparing her to receive her home in the heavenlies and in the fullness of his presence. And I must tell you, as I'm sure I have already shared, 
in a prior broadcast while I was taking sabbatical on Cape Cod, the Lord gave me this beautiful vision, and I saw my beautiful beloved wife uh, in the presence of the Almighty, whole and well, and replete from head to toe with the joy of being in his presence. I will never forget that compellingly beautiful and assuring vision direct from the heavenlies. My beautiful Peggy was delivered from death and brought unto life. We are called, please, as well, to be spiritually practical. You've all met people who are so earthly-minded that they're no heavenly good. Well, such people are not being motivated by anyone or anything that is heavenly. I'm not suggesting that they are not a people of God. I'm simply suggesting that their heads and their habits are misplaced. We are called to be a practical people. We bring practical worth to the table. The love and truth of Christ has practical ramification. It's said within the world of ecology that if a butterfly flaps its wings in the Amazon forest of Latin America, there will be a rippling effect that finds its way all the way north to the Antarctic or all the way east into Eurasia or Pakistan or the like. Well, if a man or woman is being true to God, there will be great practical value to his or her life. It will spread and resonate, even in ways that won't be recognized as directly connecting, and yet God knows. Praise the Lord. I can't wait to get to heaven, quite frankly, and discover all of the people uh, God, for whom God used me in a way unbeknownst to me. But something of me, something of his presence in me, something of his operative power made connection with others. And I, I'm just so looking forward to that day when I can discern and be made privy to the fruit of my life and labor. It will always be the direct result of the operative power of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the triune Godhead, the Spirit promised by Christ. It will always be his presence and his power at work in me and through me. And this has been made so clear to me over the years of my Christianity. Indeed, we are called to be a people who bring spiritual clarity to the table. You know, I love that song by the great Robert Goulet, uh, gone now some 10 or 15 years. I may just add the aside that a very dear friend of mine, a pastor, who, like myself, came from Boston. Uh, his name was Bill. Bill was a personal and close friend of the great Robert Goulet. I think of Goulet, uh, and I hear him sing on a clear day. One can look around you and see forever. Goulet had a clarity of voice. I need for my voice across this broadcasting microphone to speak clearly the message of the gospel, which is clarity unto itself, that God is good and God is love, that you and I are made in the image of God and in the likeness of God, yet we have fallen into a sinful condition and we require a savior. And God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is the message of the gospel. It is to be spoken 
It is to be lived and embodied. It is to be shared and proclaimed. Also, we're, we are called to be, and I as a preacher, I tell you now, this has been my experience, and it takes time, no pun intended. We are called to be a people of spiritual enlargement with time and with experience and with loving labor, trusting in the Lord God Almighty. Our lives expand, our horizons broaden. There's a spiritual enlargement, much as in the book of Acts, the word of God was preached. And we read that in the city in which it was preached, Acts chapter 8, I quote, there was great joy in that city. I know that there are eight regions affiliated with the Nielsen rating book, and we receive a, a sampling number on a monthly basis. Without going into what that number is, I speak of the eight regions for this reason, because the gospel goes forth. It goes forth into the city. It goes forth via this microphone into eight Nielsen registration uh, uh, regions. It goes forth uh, across my church website. It goes forth to whatever degree uh, throughout the whole world as it's shared. And I know that it is. So praise God, there is spiritual enlargement. There is to be spiritual refreshment. You know, from time to time, I meet some of you. And I'm refreshed by that encounter, those encounters. It is a joy to meet you, to match face with an abstract sense of listenership. You get to see my face in connection with uh, a very concrete voice. I hope it refreshes you, because to meet you refreshes me. To meet Jesus Christ is always a refreshment. We're called also to be people who are discerning. And therefore, the words that I speak are to be the product, at least in part, of spiritual discernment. We are called to be a people of spiritual depth and overflow. Wherever there is the gospel, there is overflow. This is the great uh, advantage, I believe, of Western civilization, one inculcated with the Judeo-Christian ethic and, and heritage. There is always overflow of every conceivable sort. And I trust that I am to you, at least the word that I speak, a source of spiritual treasure. You are to me treasure. As Paul said of the Philippian church, I say of my lovely little fellowship and of this audience, you are my crown and joy. God bless you. Brad Lacey with the great message. We return in a moment. Brad Lacey, uh, returning with the great message on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. I wish to continue a pace, please, in the book of Proverbs. And what a blessing this book has been proving to be. I hadn't really attended to the book of Proverbs in some time. In fact, in many years, but for an occasional glance. But while I was in recovery from cardiac surgery, I took a closer look. I have this lovely edition of the book of Proverbs, courtesy of the Philadelphia Bible Society. It's a charming little edition. And I began to peruse the Proverbs as early as uh, early to mid-November. And I became captivated afresh by this book. 
And I've encountered Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. And I began to ponder that verse. We've been sharing my ponderings for the last several weeks. But then I encountered another verse or proverb or maxim in the 10th chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25. This is what we read. As the whirlwind passes, so are the wicked no more. But the righteous, the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Allow me please to reiterate, as the whirlwind passes, so the wicked are no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. When we look at this or give consideration to this lovely verse, and it is to my mind a very powerful one, we need to think upon what foundation is. And we can look at this in one of two ways. And I think both in complement to the other, one to the other are, are satisfactory. On the one hand, the righteous stand on a right foundation. We'll speak of this in just a moment. If you are a person, a man or a woman, who is deemed biblically to be righteous, you stand on a right or a righteous foundation. You have been given, if you will, the gift of righteousness. It has been, to use a theological word, imputed to you. It is the righteousness of Christ, but we will speak of this in just a moment. There's another way in which we can speak of the righteous being an everlasting foundation. The Word of God says in the New Testament that God's people are a pillar of truth. We are also, by the estimate of this proverb, a righteous foundation for the world around us. The world should be able to look to us, to draw from us, to learn from us, to see Christ in us, to even take its cue from us, at least morally and ethically and assuredly in a spiritual way. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, said Jesus. The Christian being salt makes him or her a preservative, as we shared a moment or two ago. But, Jesus said, if the salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it but to be trampled underfoot by man? We are meant to be preservatives, and we are light. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill uh, gives forth its light to the world. You know, I love driving into the city of Philadelphia as I once loved driving into or alongside of, parallel with the city of Boston at night when I lived up there, to see the skylines of both Philly and of Boston lit and aglow with offices, the internal lighting of the offices. If you drive past the Aramark building uh, off the Schuylkill Expressway on the west side of Center City and look to the fourth floor, you'll see the lighting for the lobby of Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It always warms my heart to see offices aglow. 
Well, I tell you that the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be aglow with the light of Christ, and we are not to have a bushel placed over our light. That light of Christ within us is meant to shine forth through us. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 2. Let your light so shine forth. You are to shine forth, Paul says, like the stars in the universe as you hold forth the word of life. You can't see my countenance across the radio airwaves, but my voice parlays through this microphone across the airwaves. And it is my prayer that something of the light of Christ bleeds through and bursts through and shines aloft and suffusively all around. Perhaps we're speaking uh, in some degree figuratively. But something of my personality, I trust, comes forth to you who are listening. That personality, it is my prayer. I pray that my persona be filled and flooded to overflowing with the light of Christ. I pray that the joy of his salvation that I experience comes across to you, the listener. This is what it means, please, for the church of Jesus Christ, for righteous men and women to be a kind of foundation for the world. You should be able to look to us, trust in us, and heed our word. The word that we speak is the word of Christ. We speak to you of Christ and of him crucified, of Christ who is sovereign, both Savior and Lord. He would be your Savior. He would be your Lord. Praise God. So now, please, as we look at Proverbs 10, 25, and as we deepen in our uh, understanding, and as I move forward in my, if you will, exposition, as the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. I am righteous because of Christ, because of no other reason. There is no good in me, according to the Scripture. Whatever good is there that remains, that continues to abide, courtesy of the fact that I was made in the image and likeness of God, but that goodness has been sullied. It has been adversely affected by the advent of sin in my life. Now, you take a, a drop of blood and, and, and inject it into a clear, pure glass of water. What happens to the water? And you take a drop of sin and inject it into what is an otherwise good life. What happens to that good life? I need Christ, my Savior. You need Jesus to also be your Savior. And the Bible says that he who knew no sin, this comes direct from the Apostle Paul, he who knew no sin became sin, that you and I might become the righteousness of God. What an extraordinary exchange. You know, in baseball, in football, in basketball, sometimes we trade or exchange players. Well, in this case, Christ gave to us his righteousness, and he in turn took upon himself our sin. What an extraordinary exchange. 
we now become courtesy of the work of Jesus Christ, of him crucified, a righteous foundation for the world. Praise God. Brad Lacey with the great message. We return in a moment. Brad Lacey returning with the great message on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We return afresh to the book of Proverbs. It's found in the Old Testament of the Bible. We are looking at Proverbs, the 10th chapter, the 25th verse. As the whirlwind passes, so are the wicked no more. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. We speak within this framework of what the nature of foundation is. We speak of the gift of Christ by which we are properly and firmly established upon that foundation. We understand uh, in that there is a strength and a veracity or a truthfulness concerning the promise of God to us because God has given to us full assurance that we stand in right rapport with him, that we live our lives now in Christ upon a firm, secure, and proper foundation, and that we can be something comparable, at least a kind of signpost to the world around us. I know that the witness of the church has been flagging and failing for a long time, and yet Still do we hold forth the word. Still do we endeavor to be witnesses. We hearken to earlier eras in the life of the church when out of the blue, seemingly out of nowhere, revival struck. You know, the uh, island of merry old, so-called merry old Great Britain, it wasn't so merry at one time. I don't believe it is any longer. But that being said, the island of Great Britain on a social and spiritual level, it was like a spiritual cesspool. Notwithstanding the great plays of Shakespeare or the epic poetry of Milton, the place was a spiritual cesspool. And yet in the mid to later portion of the 18th century, that is the 1700s, the spirit of the Almighty raised up a brother and his brother alongside of him, John and Charles Wesley. John was the preacher. Charles was the uh, hymn writer. And how God used those men and their cohorts to bring forth spiritual renewal and revival up and down and all across that great island. And the difference that was struck socially, economically, spiritually, it was extraordinary. A hundred or more years later, within the smaller framework of my spiritual homeland of Wales, in that first uh, uh, decade of the 20th century, that is of the 1900s, broke forth revival in Wales. It has come to be known quite simply as the Welsh revival. For decades thereafter, the rippling effects across the globe that, that motivated God's people to both live the gospel and to share the gospel. Utterly extraordinary. It can happen again, and it will happen as the righteous lend themselves to his cause. 
We can be fulcrums and conduits of revival. The Word of God gives to us this promise. And the righteousness that is ours in him, that righteousness is built upon his holiness. It is built upon his shed blood, and it is built upon his resurrection. That is the renewal and revitalization of his body, a body that is sended into the heavens, and a physical corporeal body that will return from the heavens, coming back to earth at just the right moment. You can't keep a good man down. That's what I think when I think and ponder the resurrection. You can't keep a good man down. And God's people shall rise forth from the ashes of death at a, a certain moment in time. We shall be taken up into the air via the rapture at a certain moment in time. We shall live and dwell and even co-reign with Christ forever, such is the promise of God. God's word is true. And so when we speak now of the promises of God, it's rather extraordinary, please. I want to read to you something the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, this magnificent, uh, it's a kind of two-parter uh, in, the, in the New Testament. Paul actually wrote four letters to the Corinthian church, of which we have two. We have the second and we have the fourth. And I want to read to you from this text, please, from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I read verses 18 through 22. As surely or as certainly as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, it was not yes and no, but in Christ it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ, if you will, on the foundation of Christ and of what he has done. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We have a guarantee from God of which we have a deposit. That deposit is, is at its core directly related to the great promise and many promises of God's word to us, his people. I want to reiterate, please, the first couple of verses. I won't reiterate the entire text that I've just read. As surely or as certainly as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, 
who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy. It was not yes and no, but in Christ it has always been a resounding yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are always and ever yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. These promises are great, and they are many. And if you will allow me, please, I have taken the time to elucidate several of them. I think the key promises, you may argue there are other key or essential promises. Fair enough. I gladly have that conversation. But I'd like to share with you this litany concerning all that is yes, not yes and no, but yes in Christ. God has promised to us his presence. God has promised to us that he has a plan for each of us and for his people as a whole. God has promised his power to be at our disposal. God has promised his peace. The world can't give that to you. Christ can. God has promised to us his wisdom. I remember asking for it 48 and a half years ago and receiving that for which I asked. And God has promised to us his love. And there's nothing like his love anywhere else on earth. You can be looking for love in appropriate natural places and we hope that you find it. It is as God originally intended. But in this fallen world, one cannot find love readily. And love will often be found to be part and parcel of an admixture of self and selfishness and uh, exploitative or, or negligent effect. It's very, very sad what we've done, men and women to one another, parents and children to one another neighbors to one another, differing ethnicities who should have been in complement, now in conflict with one another. It's hard to find love. What the world needs now, do you remember that magnificent song? Sung, I think, by Dusty Springfield, and also I know by Fitula Clark, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Well, God has granted to us in and through Christ a sweet and salutary, but also a very sober and holy love. This is part and parcel of the promise of God. Praise be to his name. God bless you as you would receive it. Brad Lacey with the great message. We return in a moment. Brad Lacey returning with a final round of the great message on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. We are speaking to the effect that uh, righteousness is, to put it mildly, something very good, something given to us by God direct from the heavenlies, and something that this world very much needs. From Proverbs, the 10th chapter, the 25th verse, as the 
whirlwind passes, so are the wicked no more, but the righteous are an everlasting foundation. This is the promise of God, and his promises are replete, and they are packed with substance and with significance. You know, I love the fact, I, I pastor a very small church. I refer to my church, First Baptist Church at Conshohocken, and I quote myself as my lovely little fellowship. Well, you know, the Bible says that God blesses the great and the small, and I can attest to the fact that he is blessing my lovely little fellowship. I praise God for my lovely little body of believers. I praise God for a, a, a larger, wider radio audience. I praise God for those one-on-one -on -one encounters I have with people as I am out and about. I'll take it any which way. But that being said, God has given a, a, an assurance to my lovely little fellowship that his hand is upon us, that he has a purpose for our existence, that he is utilizing us. And if I may say this, it is to his glory. You know, I love how Paul puts it, may I never boast, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, may I never boast, save in the cross of Christ, through which the world has died to me, and I have died to the world. So any and all boasting, we boast in the Lord, we boast in who he is, and we boast in what he's doing. And I give him glory for what he's doing in and through my lovely little fellowship. I know that he's allowing us to make a difference in the lives of many by way of the preached and shared and disseminated word of God. We speak the word on Sunday mornings. We, we discuss the word on Wednesday mornings and very shortly uh, as we enter the new month on Thursday evenings. We broadcast the word on Saturday mornings. We disseminate the word courtesy of the Philadelphia Bible Society. We have actually taken the word of God very directly into innumerable time zones as we have uh, sent our people, myself included, into Russia and India and Africa. Praise God. God assures my lovely little fellowship that he has a plan for us. From Jeremiah chapter 29, the 11th verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, shortly after my church building was destroyed by fire in May of 2005, the church uh, neo-Gothic uh, steeple remained in place. It's our, it's our architectural signature. You can see it if you know where to look and you look closely, you will see it from the Schuylkill Expressway. And so the church marquee remained in place and I placed a special message on that marquee. It was this text of Jeremiah 29, Verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 
A couple of guys were walking past the church and they were in my sight lines. I happened to catch this. They stopped dead in their tracks and they read the sign. And then they started laughing as if, what a joke. Your church is but rubble. Well, our church was never rubble. The people of God carried on. By God's grace, we were well fortified, well grounded, and we began to grow. And our, we began to see the, the physical structure arise from the ashes. And we had a mantra that we would have our building as God had his. God assured us that he was not done with us, that he had a plan for us as he still does. And I begin to bear witness, and I begin further and deeper to participate in that expanding plan, an enlarged vision, replete and in complement to an expanding plan. I praise God for this. God gave this promise to the Israelites of old when they were in captivity, and all hope would seemingly be lost God spoke his word several hundred years uh, down the line. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, God would redeem his people. Thousands of years later, he would bring his people out of uh, Exodus and back into their homeland, a.k.a. the establishment of the state of Israel in the calendar year two, uh, 1948. In the year of our Lord, 1948, again, in the year of our Lord, 1967, Jerusalem was made the capital of Israel yet again, as thousands of years ago, it was promised. God always honors his promise, always meets the dictate of his promises to his people. I stand here, more literally sit here before my microphone, and I share with you the fact that he has never, ever, ever let me or us at First Baptist Conchi down. If we are disappointed, it is because we wanted something we shouldn't have, or we have looked in the wrong places, or we simply don't have the patience. Praise God, patience is the fourth fruit of the Holy Spirit, coming hard upon the heels and flowing out of love, joy, peace. The Word of God says is patience. We may have to wait until the moment of our passing from this world. The Christian passes from death unto life. My wife passed from a ransacked body, and her last days were horrible. She passed from that into the full measure and the full pleasure and joy of the presence of God. Praise his name. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And we know, my wife understood this through her dying days. I had to call upon this reality in the late last year as I was called upon to undergo yet a second major cardiac surgery. God says in Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. 
So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The last thing on this planet I ever wanted was a second major cardiac surgery. But the first thing I want, I was never bereft of. That is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He himself went before me and was with me. He never left me. He never forsook me. And I need never have been afraid. And I need not even now be discouraged. Nor should you because of Christ. Praise God. Brad Lacey with the great message. God bless you till next week.